Hey everybody, this is Chad Norris, lead pastor at Bridgeway Church, and here with two friends of mine. One I've known for three years, and uh, one friend I've known for about 12 hours, <laughs> Jeremiah. It's a pretty cool story of how the father got Jeremiah Johnson here. Um, Wendy and I, for the first time in 23 years of ministry, had a sabbatical this year. So we've done five weeks so far, we got seven more. And at the beach, uh, I get a word of knowledge just walking with the father, talking to him. And he says, I want you to read Jeremiah Johnson's book on consecration. So I called my assistant and said, uh, download it. And I read it and I was, I was blown away. And when I got done that day, read it quickly, uh, the father told me to read this book. The next morning, I went to the beach. I took another walk just hanging out with my kids. And the father said, I'm about to connect you with, with uh, Jeremiah. And, you know, you get a lot of words and you just you put them on the shelf and it's like, great. I I love it if that's what the father wants. Well, then two dreams came in, two or three about you ministering here. And so I just reached out to your assistant. You were supposed to be in Anchorage, Alaska with all the COVID stuff. You weren't able to get there. And you just got prompted that the Holy Spirit wanted you to come here. Here I am. So, (laughs) So this is what happened last night. We had a great night and you ministered last night. This is Michael Thornton. Uh, Michael Thornton's written a couple of books. He's on staff here at Bridgeway Church. He's written a book on igniting cities, which is incredible. We're going to repackage this book. It's really about wells, uh, digging wells, um, what all that means. But this is the book today, the idea behind this book. I actually want to start with Jeremiah. This book's called Fire in the Carolinas. And why am I bringing this up with Jeremiah? Because you just moved from Florida to Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes, we were down in uh, Lakeland, Florida for about 10 years and uh, planted Heart of the Father Ministry, which became two campuses and uh, had just a sovereign encounter with the Lord last year and um, said, I'm going to move you to Charlotte. I want you to build an altar to raise up a prophetic lampstand in the earth. And the Lord just gave us three main things, fire, family, and fathering. And the Lord said to me that his fire was always intended to be stewarded in the context of family with the oversight of fathers. And so I I really believe that there's a coming wineskin in the church where the fire of God, the zeal, the love, the passion is going to be stewarded in the context of healthy marriage, healthy family, and then having the fathers as those uh, great boundary lines that we so need in this generation, I think, for those three things, that DNA is flowing. There'll be powerful moves of God birthed out of that. So we're uh, we're in Charlotte. Um, we're believing God for a facility to host uh, that kind of atmosphere. Not there yet. Just being faithful on the road, the different assignments the Lord's given us. But we're uh, hungry. I saw the Appalachian Trail on fire in this original encounter Charlotte's not in the Appalachian Trail, but I felt like we're supposed to be um, just positioned near it. So I'm just uh, really sensing that fire is going to burn all up and down the Appalachian Trail. This is what I love because you and I don't know each other well yet. You have no idea. So God makes me wear this shirt today. okay? (laughs) and I'm like, why in the world? Come on. They're going to have on collared shirts. I'm going to look like an idiot. So but here's the deal. You want to know why I wore this shirt two years ago? You got to understand something about me. I don't run. I don't jog. <laughs> it's not me. I don't run unless I'm chased. 
Two years ago, the father says, I want you to start hiking all over this area. Well, I grew up here most of my life. I didn't realize there's incredible hiking. Appalachian Trail's not far from here at all. Mm. We begin to hike. One hike turns into now close to 70 hikes. And on these hikes, we've been going to high places. Went to the highest place in South Carolina last week. Stood literally on Sassafras Mountain where you can put one hand in one foot in South Carolina and one foot in North Carolina. We ripped into it. Mm. And father kept showing me, he said, listen, I am coming for the Carolinas. And he said, it's why I put Jeremiah in Charlotte. (laughs) So I get an email. I get an email. You and I go eat lunch with the couple that works with Sean Foy and they're burned 24-7 in Asheville. He gives a word about Bob Jones said in 2020 it will begin, and he saw a bowl pouring from Asheville and North Carolina into South Carolina. Wow. Maybe this is the reason that God had you move here, but I want to I hit something, what he just said, the three things of the DNA that Jeremiah just said. Wow. You had a dream about a bucket. That bucket was discipleship in the context yes. of family. Well, okay, so God's reminded me of a dream I had. This was a powerful dream. I got to rehash it here. I had a dream when I first moved here. First part of the dream, I'm in a car and I look, Jezebel is actually driving the car. I say, stop the car, let me out. She lets me out, she manifests. The dream shifts. I go to Ohio. I'm in Ohio. I'm wearing an Ohio t-shirt. I go into a restaurant and in the back room, there's a, there's a dinner meeting that I need to go to. So I walk into the dinner meeting and there's Chad sitting at a table. There's a really another nationally known minister who's been really well-known for intercession, prayer, and worship. And then there's another well-known minister who's a prophet. And in my in the dream, it's my responsibility to introduce Chad to this well-known minister of intercession. So when I introduce the two, the prophet stands up and prophesies over their relationship. I wake up and I'm like, God, what does that dream mean? He said, I'm just showing you just there's a spiritual climate going on. He said, there's a war. There's always a war. He said, there's Jezebelic influencers. There's control manipulation. He said, but the second part of the dream is strategy of how to turn the tide. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, Chad represents discipleship because that's the number one thing he carries, fathering, discipleship. There's a DNA here that God is doing, a new wineskin of discipleship like nothing I've ever seen. So there's that piece. Then there's the fire, prayer, intercession piece, and then the prophetic piece. He said, when these three cultures begin to marry one another, when they begin to come together, one another, it'll, it'll swing the war. And I said, well, why Ohio? And he said, Ohio is a political swing state. And this will swing the war as these three cultures and wineskins begin to merge. Wow. When did the father begin to, I mean, because you've known, you've walked with God your whole life. Mm-hmm. Your parents pastored in Indianapolis for a long time. You, you pastored a church. There's a mm. reason you planted Father's Heart Ministry. Mm. So that word father, you go, you go, soapbox, I'll dominate this conversation. When did, why did you name it that? And when did the Father start showing you that that is a massive piece of what He wants for your life? Yeah, I think for me, um, you know, I grew up with a father who pastored, um, but his story is that he grew up in a severely abusive home. His dad stabbed him in the chest with a butcher knife. Um, He's got a 14-inch scar, tried to kill him. Um, Him and his uh, brother were saved at a Baptist revival around 18, 19 years old. And it was out of their deep wounds of fathering that they say the Lord began to give them a revelation of the fatherhood of God. 
And so even though we grew up in a charismatic culture, probably the primary message was the fatherhood of God and the orphan spirit. And even as we're talking, my dad and I are working on a book called The Father, Son, and Orphan Spirit and um, just addressing these kinds of things. So my dad always taught that Satan's original attempt in the garden was actually to orphan us from God as our father. And so um, I think that, you know, um, heart of the father ministry naturally, just from growing up with the fathering message being taught on the orphan spirit, um, all of those things probably just came most natural to me. And then what we really tried to do pastoring all those years was just really, you know, I always say fathers commission, they do not compete. And I believe that there are a lot of men that have never been fathered themselves. There they, therefore they do not know how to father. And there are a lot of men in their 40s and 50s trying to compete with the next generation rather than commission the next generation. So it was always in our heart to just want to commission the next generation rather than uh, rather than compete with them. So I kind of came came by way of the fathering message just by having a, a father and an uncle um, who who just they carried that father's heart. Mm. I read a pretty boring book about 10 years ago. It changed my life. It was a sociologist who didn't even know the Lord, wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity. Mm-hmm. His name is Rodney Stark. And he asked the question, how in the world did Christianity overtake Rome within 300 years? Like, what happened? No weapons, no printing press. There, What was it? He discovered it was really a fathering and mothering system of what was called oikos in the Greek, of a non-biological family of 18 to 20-ish, and even uh, archaeologists found that it was through the spiritual parenting um, lifestyle mm. that transformation happened. I mean, for Rome to declare uh, for Rome to declare itself a Christian nation within 300 years, it's like, well, how did that happen? It happened through the family. Briefly touch on the dream that you had about the yellow bucket and how it fits into exactly what Jeremiah's mandate is in Charlotte. I had a dream um, that literally led us here. It was such a powerful dream. And in the dream, I'm in an ocean, beautiful crystal blue ocean. And I'm just sitting there. I look at land in the distance and I know it's Greenville, South Carolina. I see this church, this house, Bridgeway. And I know that there's a mission. There's something that I have to do, an assignment for the land and for this church. But I needed a tool to do it. And I didn't have that tool. Next thing you know, in the dream, because dreams can be wild. Here comes Chad floating in a raft. And he comes floating in the raft and he's holding the tool that I need. It's actually a crane bucket, which Mm. is wild, but he's holding the tool and he says, do you need this? I said, yes. He gives me that tool and then he floats off and I wake up and God both, basically both gave us revelation without us talking. And I asked him, what is that crane bucket? He said, discipleship. Mm -hmm. He said, you've always carried fire, but you've never carried discipleship with fire. Fires need fireplaces. And I was like, and I, it's so it's awesome for me to hear what God has you doing there in Charlotte and how much the, the family um, practice matters to you. Let me take the steering wheel and now turn it totally different direction. Mm-hmm. Second half of the show, let's talk about this. November 4th, here we go. We got a big year on our hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you are known as someone that's just very bold in what the Father has you share with uh, what a lot of pastors won't talk about. 
about a year ago, people started coming to me saying, you, you listen to Jeremiah Johnson, y'all are very similar. You just kind of say what the Father's saying. We got a big next few months on our hands. I want to talk about uh, people that will never have a stage like you have. I want to talk about the normal, common person that just attends a church like this. They're saying, what can I do to play a part of God's story in this? And I'm talking about even the election itself. There's one thing that God has led this man to lead us in, and that is we are putting a tent outside for 10 days, night and day, 24-7. We're going to pray. Um, some of the stuff that I've read in your books and even post recently, we have got to be a church that literally prays this thing through. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but for normal people, people attending a church, working jobs, raising their families that really care about this election, care about what God wants, what advice would you just give the common person of what they can do? Because a lot of times people feel like they don't. there's nothing they can do. What is your advice to someone heading up to the fourth? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that um, if anything, during this COVID-19 time, God has even sort of, um, you know, silenced a lot of big name voices so that, you know, this is, we're not going to get to where God wants to take us in America with just big name people. It has to be a collective gathering of folks. So just want to encourage the audience today. Um, you know, God is with you. We need you in this fight. I think for me, um, pastor, it's, it's about knowing how to effectively pray. We touched on this fathering thing. I think that there's a spirit of lawlessness. And I had a dream um, a couple of months ago where just what appeared to me is lawlessness equals fatherlessness. And so I believe that the root behind lawlessness is a fatherless culture. And so I would encourage, you know, just everyday Joes to father those around you, get involved in your neighborhood and your community, of course, get involved in your family, but we have to know how to pray. So there's a spirit of lawlessness at work. You know, Jesus so pointedly, Matthew 24 says, because lawlessness will increase, the love of most will grow cold. Mm. So practically, how can we love the world around us. We need to be praying against the spirit of lawlessness. I think fathering is the answer. I think we need to see an increase of love in our world around us. So I think that just everyday people being home, being present, loving those around you, knowing how to effectively pray in this hour. I think those are maybe a couple of key tools. You know, I love Titus 2.13. It just talks about how we've been redeemed from lawlessness. God is calling us to be a peculiar people, but we are his possession. And so, you know, salvation is more than forgiveness of sins. It's we've been bought with a price. So I I would also say go all in. One of my taglines is if you're not sold out, you'll sell out. So we need a sold out generation of Bible believing Christians 
to be what they so claim to profess. Do you mind uh, briefly talking about the dream of the Boston Marathon? A lot of people are asking you the same question, I guarantee you. So who's going to win this election? Can you can you touch on that dream and why what you just said matters? Yeah. Because our involvement yeah. does play a role in the outcome? Yes. You know, I, I believe in divine partnership. I believe in even, it's such a joy to get to partner like with the purposes of God. I had a dream, Boston Marathon, Don Donald Trump is running the race. A crowd is around him, very liberal, you know, jeering. He falls down about 100 yards before he gets to the finish line. The crowd goes wild. Somehow two older women, one on a cane, one on a walker, push through the crowd, supernaturally help Donald Trump get up. And he makes the finish line. And I interpreted the dream is that the Lord is actually calling on a generation of intercessors, but he's specifically targeting the baby boomer generation. Probably one of my main assignments in the last year has been challenging and encouraging a generation ready to retire that it's time to refire those born between 1946 and 1964. And I've been pointing out to people, the New York Post ran a, ran a thread about in, in late March when it, everything was really crazy. And they referred to COVID-19 as the boomer remover. I actually believe that COVID-19 has come demonically to target a specific demographic of people, more deaths in nursing homes. And so it's targeting a generation who are called to pray and intercede and partner and father this, this generation. So I'm a millennial. So my role is just to cheer on, to sound the alarm, to do what I can. But I believe that there's a generation in America, they're true patriots. They understand what's at stake in this nation. And if we don't vote, we don't pray, we don't get involved. I believe a reelection is in danger. And I also believe that God raised up Donald Trump, not so much for the last four years, I believe really it's for the next four years. Before I go back to Michael, there's three things that you uh, have in your mind when you decide who to vote for that I've read from you. What are those three things and, and why do they matter to you? Pro-life, I believe that the shedding of innocent blood is a major issue on God's heart. I'm not looking at Republican, Democrat. I'm not even looking at their name. I'm going to the word, vote, biblical values, pro-life, pro-Israel. I believe that there's a blessing that comes from God on nations who honor and support Israel. And then pro-religious liberty. I mean, I just think it can't get any clearer than it is right now. Democratic National Convention literally removing under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. It has become a party that's totally anti-God. So I just encourage people vote biblical values. Yes to traditional marriage. There's other issues, but pro-life, pro-Israel, and pro-religious liberty, I think are three big things. Michael, I want to close here. I I hear you say often, we got to win this one in the air. Yes. We got to win whatever the this one is. Where's that come from? What has the Father shown you uh, the the power of true biblical intercession comes from? Why does it matter? I think just historically, as you look at the church, I mean, battles have been fought 
all the way through church history. But this common thread with all of them is that they're one in the air. Some of the most significant heated battles have to be one in the air. So there's something about when we engage in prayer with wholehearted prayer and intercession that we can move powers and principalities. We can see things fall. We can see worldviews fall. We can see policy shift and change. I love reading about Reese Howell, the intercessor who raised up intercessors of England that turned the tide of World War II. No one knew about it. They're in a back room praying and they are shifting uh, just incredible things over the air. Um, and I, I think we're in that same moment. We have to be in that same moment. That dream, Jeremiah, is unbelievable, especially with those two two ladies. I mean, this is a call to prayer. It's a charge to pray. And um, I think that's why also the enemy has hit us with such spiritual apathy in this generation to to calm us down, to to not engage in prayer. It's going to be okay. No, there's just some things you have to wrestle through in prayer and you have to pray through. You have to know how to pray through. I'd love for you to close our show with praying for the Carolinas. Mm. It's just burning all over me. Um, I, I think it's obviously very significant that God had you move to Charlotte. And a lot of times the way the Father is, is uh, he loves gradual revelation. And five years down the road, you're like, oh, my goodness, there's more I, I know now. But I know this, that the Carolinas really matter to him. And I would just love for you to pray over the Carolinas and bless it. Amen. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we just ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, I just sense that uh, so many have retreated back to their caves and back to their safe places. And we just say to those in the Carolinas who have retreated and who have waved a white flag, Mm -hmm. we call you forth. We say that there's an apostolic commissioning that's coming. There is a, uh, a coming out of the shadows and the shallows, and uh, we're calling you to the front lines. And so we just say, Carolina, the alarm is sounding, uh, the battle is near, and we say that uh, true prophetic voices are emerging uh, if the if the battle is not, the call is not clear, who can get ready for battle? And so, Lord, we pray for clarion trumpeting prophetic voices that would rise up in the anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit. And we just say there will be a mass mobilization in the Carolinas of those who have retreated back to their self, their safe place. The Lord says that there's a self-preservation spirit in the Carolinas trying to preserve your life and your safety and your family. The Lord says where you think it's safe will no longer be safe. For even though I'm calling you again and again, your disobedience, your, your, your ability to skirt away from my voice, it's ending. So I just hear the Lord saying that they're in, I just see many in caves of shame and guilt and condemnation. They've thrown down their weapons. They're tired of fighting. They're tired of being rejected. There's a fresh call going forth in the Carolinas. And we just release this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to thank you for being here today and blessings upon you, your wife, your kiddos, as you get settled in Charlotte. Thank you. We love you guys. I bless you that you'd walk in a high level of friendship with the Father this week. God bless. 
Thanks for joining us on Coach and Joe, a YouTube talk show and podcast that helps you walk in genuine friendship with God. Check out coachandjoe.com for epic merch, weekly blogs, and ways to help keep us up and running. We'll see you next time on Coach and Joe.